This season of Together BHA podcast uh, is sponsored by Green King Sport, uh, where football is more than a game. Uh, Super happy with this. Obviously, when I started this five years ago, we did not expect to be having any kind of sponsorships or some stuff like this. So I am beyond delighted to to have a partnership with these guys. Uh, Green King Sport venues, uh, as you probably know, if you don't, you will now. They're showing every single televised Brighton fixture over the 23-24 season. We have a fair few coming up in the next few months. Uh, And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it does not matter whether you're based in Brighton, Birmingham, Market Harbour, where I am, wherever you want to be, uh, you can catch every single minute of the action. Uh, so keep an eye out during the season for any kind of events, offers, content and competitions uh, that can put you closer to the action. Uh, we'll be able to tell you all about them uh, and get you some nice tricks and treats as well. Uh, and of course, uh, Albion might have the three o'clock kickoff uh, for the first few games of the season. Um, but if you are not at the Amex for the first few weeks, uh, then why not catch the rest of the Premier League action? on TNT and Sky Sports at your local Green King Sport Pub. Uh, Thank you for listening to the show as always uh, and we will continue to provide uh, content for fans by the fans. Let's get straight in to the Luton Review. Because yeah. it's weird, it's like little things on Twitter, obviously you can't retweet now, can you? It's called repost. Yeah, it should be a react, like, really. Yeah, well, exactly. If you're going to stick with the brand. The heart is a farce, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, I hated is. Twitter. I hated Twitter anyway, before I started messing around with it. Doesn't get any better, unfortunately. Uh, but here we are. Um, and we are on episode... 223 um this is the classic away day josh voice uh so we'll have to get through it with (coughs) a bit of a rough one um but uh how are we all doing today how are we feeling i think we're about for those listening tomorrow and on the podcast uh, i think we've got about half an hour left uh in the game at west ham 20 minutes left probably half hour with injury time um, and uh, we are currently 2-1, uh, Chelsea are losing. Uh, but it's okay because Caicedo just came on um, to obviously a game-winning substitute. Uh, but how are we all feeling after yesterday? That, same as I mean, it's the same as last week, isn't it? You can't you can't really be that unhappy if you win 4-1, especially away from home. That's the top line. Uh, I... I said nine points in the first three games. We're on track. Yeah, just acceptable enough. I'm kidding. Obviously, it's fantastic. We look like the best team in the league. We're top of the table. What more do you want? I don't know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's just astounding. It's, it's pretty wild looking at the, the table. I know it's always like, never look at the table, but it, it does look pretty cool, doesn't it? So, yeah, I mean, 4-1 away from home. Like You'll take that any point in the season, won't you? Yeah. Especially after the, the, the game on Monday, right? Like I think we all were sat there like thinking, okay, like this Wolves team is maybe not the joke that we thought they were going to be after all the trauma they'd gone through this summer. Um, gave it everything at Old Trafford, were massively hard done. Well, they were full on cheated, let's be fair, um, out of that penalty that was just like basically a GBH like in the box. And then they rock up to Molyneux, absolutely bouncing. And within 15 minutes, they concede an absolute worldie. And from then on, it just... 
got worse and worse for him. What, what a turnaround in like six days. Yeah, I mean, that was the Wolves. The, the Wolves we saw yesterday was kind of the Wolves that we've talked about in the prediction, pre-season prediction, wasn't it? Although having said that, I don't think they were, first half, they were all right. I didn't think they were dreadful. If they could actually put the chances away, um, it could arguably have been a different game. They had a boatload of opportunities in that first half. Uh, and there was, what was, and it's funny with hindsight, right? Because obviously we came out of the blocks incredibly well in the second half. But I was nervous. And Josh, you were there, probably, probably feel that palpably. Um, and it was, uh, we, were, we couldn't play our game for a good 25 minutes in that first half. We just couldn't. Um, they had the ball, they were pressing really well. We, we kept trying these quick pass routines out the back and they just were. They ended up in with NCSO trying to play with his back to goal and then like falling over every two minutes and it just wasn't wasn't working. And of course, you know, Deserby probably skulks in at half time, looks at all the looks at them all in the eye, and then NCSO comes out and looks like bloody messy. So yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it I thought they weren't that bad. Like I, you know, we, we were talking about in our predictions a couple of weeks ago. Right. But I do you think right if if they came in or if we were drawing or even behind at our half time like i don't think you'd feel too aggrieved because yeah the amount of chances they had as long as they took them it, it would have been a different story but again it's a cliche tale of two halves isn't it really uh, i thought first half was very balanced and then you, you get to the title of the episode don't you so it is it's very much <laughs> what what we're going to discuss yeah, it really, it really was uh, like you said, Adam. Like at the ground, like the majority sentiment was good first half. We saw out a lot of good pressure. We got a goal. Let's hold out until the hour mark. Bring on Pedro. Bring on Ferguson. Bring on Adingra. Rip them apart on the counter attack. See if we can get a second one. Um, and the Albion were just like, nah, that doesn't work for me. Um, <laughs> just morale destroyed them. Um, but let's talk about the starting 11 first, uh, because there were some really good talking points here. And I have a horrible feeling, as Adam said in the WhatsApp chat, uh, about him being the new bold fraud with spiky hair instead. Um, we are going to be unable to rely on any Brighton player starting at this point outside of Lewis Dunk, it feels like. Um, so looking at that starting 11, um, we obviously had Van Hecker out, Webster in. Uh, we had Gilmore in for Dahoud, and then we had Enciso in for Jao Pedro, uh, the record-breaking transfer man out of the squad. Robin, what were your thoughts when you got that buzz through on your phone? Uh, because the general buzz around me was quite shocked. <laughs> I mean, I thought Webster for Van Hecker was, didn't really surprise me. I thought if Webster's fit, he's probably going to come back in. Dahoud... That was that did surprise me because I got the impression that he's the kind of player that probably gets better the more he plays. And I thought maybe to bed him in, he may have been in a little consistent run in the team to get him going. But having said that, you know, Gilmore is arguably a similar player. We know that he's going to have to... The more football he plays, the more confidence he gets, the better he gets, the more he delivers. Um, so that one was probably the, the middle in terms of surprising... Inciso for Jao Pedro. I thought Inciso might play, but I didn't necessarily think it would be for Jao Pedro. Um, but I think that illustrates, as we said in the last few weeks, that the embarrassment of riches in attack means, Josh, I think you're right. We're going to see these kind of rotations virtually every game throughout the season. 
Yeah, and I think that when you're looking at it, right, like you've had Pedro dropped. Uh, doesn't this, Adam, like you would just have to speak on over, like I had a question for you anyway. Like, do you not think that this puts the Kudus thing like at even more of a back burner? Like, look at, the, look at the players we had on the bench. Like, I think Craig said in a chat yesterday, like the most attacking bench we've probably ever seen in Albion history. Like, and we still put four past them before we had those subs come on. At, at what point... Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what, at what point is there a need for a kudus, or do you think there is a need for another attacker who's comfortable playing just about everywhere, or do you think that we're already running into an issue with that? E.g., Buonanotte is also struggling. Yeah, and for those of you that, for those two people that listen to this that do play FIFA Ultimate Team, whenever I get kudus in my packs at the moment, I sell him immediately. I don't want to see him, uh, scumbag. Uh, yeah, I don't, so I don't think, do we need him? I, I think if you ask that question in six months, I might have a very different answer. This is the whole point of this squad and, and what we're trying to do is creating depth and, and flexibility for a very, very long season when you're playing Thursday, Sunday. Um, and the intent being is we don't dive out in the group stage as well, right? So do we need Kudus now? No. Do we need a version of Kudus in a few months? Well, almost certainly. Um, but Deserby came out and said this week in his presser about uh, who was it? He said we needed we I know that we need to sign a certain a, a Kaiseido replacement and then one other position that I'm not going to reveal. And it's like, obviously it's a right back, uh, and that's, that's so I think that's where the club's focus is going to be. Right, I think the Kudus thing probably was one of those things where it's like, well, he might be available. We might have the Brighton scouting group and the data people might have put like a a blue chip premium grade on him. So if we can get him, we'll get him. Uh, if they don't have another one of those, then maybe, maybe we don't grab them immediately. Maybe it's a January transfer window thing. A bit like a Darwin Nunez then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't. Not I mean, that was result. it, right? Like, yeah. I think, um, they pro- I think they probably do have a couple of white whales stretching all the way back to Vicente. Um, and if you can pull them off, great. If you can't, we're fine without them. Yeah, it's also the fact that look, I'm gonna we're gonna talk a lot about him, but I, the more I see a Bill of Gilmore, I don't even want a Carcedo replacement. This guy's was incredible, incredible. Um, I think he missed, so he missed one pass yesterday. Yeah, useless. Get rid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Um, Craig, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because within eight minutes uh, of the game, probably one of the safest names on the team sheet outside of Lewis Dunk, Pascal Gross, got booked uh, for perceivably kicking the ball away. Um, there was a couple of questionable ball kickaways yesterday, uh, mainly because from our perspective, they were pushing it back to the point of the foul. Um, both sides of the pitch. There was a couple of times where the Wolves or the Brighton player pushed the ball back to where the foul took place and the ref booked them is like, what are, what are we making of this, this perception of any attempt at time wasting is now due a yellow card. Do you not think this is just a nightmare waiting to happen? Or do you think that this is a good idea? Uh, I, yeah, it's such a gray area, isn't it? There's no, there's no black or white in this respect. It's, I think the NCSO one was weird, right? And you've, you've got, it's kicking it back to the person that is inevitably going to take it, right? You're you're sending it to the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper goes to take it. I think if you're kicking it away, like 
like honestly away from where the free kick is going to be taken, like off the fit, off the field or off the pitch or whatever, then I can see it. I think they're really stamping down on it to just try and heighten the amount of yellow cards now so that it just stops later on. And there's just sort of, there's obviously a method to the madness, <laughs> which is a, a shock. Um, I just think there needs to be a little bit more pragmatism in it, like rather than having such a heavy stance and um, you saw three of the we had six players booked yesterday three of them were for kicking the ball away so it, it's something that isn't great um and i think even the commentary team over in the u.s sort of were on it saying that that's probably going to hurt in the future when you when you start accumulating those cards and getting a suspension so i think what they're trying to do is fine i get it but i think they, they should not take such a harsh stance on it but i also understand the stance but it's one of those where you're either going to agree or you're not. Um, just don't do it. If you, if you know that you're going to get a yellow card for doing it or like Jao Pedro just standing <laughs> just standing there for a, for a yellow card, then it, yeah, it, it seems a bit ridiculous at the moment, but obviously there's a, there's a point to it to try and clamp down on that so that you reduce the amount of added time later on. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I do think the players will get used to it. This, uh, this is the bedding in yeah. period of a few games where everyone's going to be doing this and this and there's going to be stoppages and 15 minutes of stoppage time. We're going to get into January, February, March and people suddenly realise, okay, I can't do that anymore. They're, they're, they're just changing behaviours at this point and it's going to be a bit of a rough period. Yeah. Um, James in the chat, just cover a couple of people in the chat. Uh, good morning, James, wherever you are. Uh, and uh, are we only going to do four ones all season? Would be absolutely lovely if we could do that. Um, but no, I suspect not. And deserve even if we did win 4-1 all season approach, just be fuming, we conceded one every game. Um, Mitoma, nice of him to chip in with a goal of the season on day two. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and then Stephen in the chat as well, waking up in an alternate universe where March has scored three in two games. Uh, my really smug fantasy Premier League moment is coming, Stephen, so don't worry about that. Uh, and then James also concurring on the Kudu situation, a uh, bit of a net negative possibly if his heart isn't in it. Agent games, release clause nonsense. He still hasn't signed for West Ham, by the way, which he was supposed to have done a week ago. Um, so it's clearly just there's a little bit of dodginess to him. Um, but he is on Twitter telling everyone that's cap, bro. So it's definitely cap. Um and then, Stephen, again, Norwich fans thought Gilmore was poor. Do we know, like, this is a free-for-all. Anyone can say they know. Do we Do we know if there was the whole stalking stuff was going on at the same time as he was at Norwich? Or was it really that Norwich was just really shit? Yeah, I think it's more that. And I think he's probably not the player <laughs> for a relegation battle. Was it? Was he? Were they in the Premier League? Were they in the Championship when he had it? Premier League. They're in the Premier League. Yeah, it it's hard the Premier for League them. season. It's so. It's difficult to keep track of what division Norwich are in at any given point. One of two. Um, but I get the. <laughs> yeah, not sure which one it is. But yeah, I get the impression he's probably. If it was a Premier League season, um, he's not necessarily who you want in a relegation battle. And as we've said, he's probably one that takes a few games or a few months to get up to speed, and you don't have that luxury if you're in a relegation battle. So I'm presuming Norwich fans probably didn't see that he was, or, you know, he didn't turn up as a world beater and they probably gave him about 30 seconds grace to prove it and then made a judgment, which to be fair, some Albion fans did with him as well. Yeah, I was, it was a bit brutal, weren't it, hearing about his court case after the fact. I think we're all a bit like, oops. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, but he's also he's put on shows for Scotland during that period of time, and I would say Scotland, if if it's possible, are in a perpetual relegation battle with themselves. <laughs> um, so. I think it just depends what environment he's in because he looked incredible then. He, he played those incredible games at Chelsea. I think anyone at Norwich would have looked absolute crap then. But yeah. it's it's hard for them to assess as well, the fans in Norwich, because they've all got, you know, three arms, four eyes and things like that. So it's tricky to it's tricky for them to scout. We'll cut that. <laughs> <laughs> We're just oh my goodness. Uh Green King are just absolutely bad. Yeah, I was going to say a word from our sponsors. <laughs> a word from our sponsors. I'm here now. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, you. I mean, Adam's right. You know, I think what, I mean, he's only 22 now. So you think back to when he was man of the match for Scotland against England in the, you know, in the Euros. So what would have been? He'd have been 19 probably when that. And then I think he was man of the match for Chelsea against Arsenal on what was probably one of his first Chelsea starts. So you're right. We knew... The ability was there. And I think, Josh, you're right. I think the timeline of the stalking case, I'm not quite sure. But you know, it, the behaviour has got to be happening at that point. Because, you know, we're not talking that long ago that he was at Norwich. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's a collective holding, of, holding up of hands going, yeah, we weren't quite aware of what was going on. But to bring it back to yesterday, I mean, he, I thought he was... He was brilliant. I mean, for me, it was, it was probably between him and Inciso for for man of the match. Yeah, he was he was superb, um, just unbelievable. Uh, and I think even Deservey has came out and said that his progress. He's like a totally different player to last season. Like already, like the growth he's made under Roberto has just been astounding. Um, let's talk about that opening goal, though because uh, it's one that's really nice to talk about. Um, that first 15 minutes, uh, and we'll get on to... I have another thing to bring up, actually. I've got a list of things in my head. I'm trying to get too clear ahead of myself. Uh, let's talk about Mitoma's goal first. Uh, very even first 15 minutes. Bit edgy. The Wolves fans were well up for it. First game at home. you got to quiet the crowd. And Mitoma... When he first gets challenged by, I think it's Samedo, uh, and we'll definitely talk a little bit about him towards the end and more of a kind of sad post about how absolutely dusted that man is. But Mitoma was fouled just ridiculously cynically by him, and every single person that went was absolutely fuming that we weren't getting a foul called for that. Like We were livid that they were allowing that to play on because that's a set piece in a really good position for us. And everyone was fuming. And I think people were still in their little pockets fuming about it as he put it around the keeper until they all were just like, oh, my God, he's actually scored an absolute worldie. Craig, watching it on TV over there, like, what? It's outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one of those where you're like, oh, the advantage rule and stuff like that. And, And it's just... Those are the those are the cases where it obviously works, um, but the the guy himself is just magic, isn't he? And I think, like you said, it it was such an even game up until that point, and I think I'll just put the first half in a bucket and say it was even anyway. Um, so it was going to take something like that because I don't think really, or come on to the I guess the the ten minutes post second half. So yeah, it was such an even game, and it was going to take something like that to take the lead. And yeah, we we know he's got it in him, but. Even that is outrageous for Matoma, isn't it? Um, 
you you see him skip past five or six players and, and put it around the keeper into the bottom corner. Um, that's just what he does. And just people will continue to rave about this guy and we will continue to talk about him. Um, but he's just capable of just utter magic, isn't he? Um, and yeah, the, the little the little hand or, or cupping of the ear as well. Like he's 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 loving it. Given that it was an absolute worldie, does anybody else want to comment on just how they felt watching that happen? Uh, because it was just unreal. Yeah, I will. I'll also comment that it was such a good goal that obviously match of the day over here decided it wasn't worthy of analysis. <laughs> they do analysis on match of the day? They spent, they spent five minutes talking about Wolves' misses and didn't even yeah. mention Midoma's goal. Yeah, he's spot yeah. up, like literally not a word. But yeah, I mean, great. I think... Craig's right. I mean, it's the bizarre thing is, is that I've come to expect that kind of thing from Matoma that it almost doesn't create that much of a ripple. You're just like, oh yeah, Matoma's beaten half the team. Coolly, basically, put the goalkeeper on his back and put it in the bottom corner. On we go. One nil. Thanks very much. Like it just that just shows the level of the guy in not that long a time in the Premier League. Just. <laughs> He's, he's obscene, absolutely obscene player. I, I don't also disregard the because uh, it's not. It's fun to make fun of Semedo because he is crap. But uh, and Ciso did a really nice little sort of cross path run that put the defence off and created more space for Matoma to cut inside. And there's an incredible grouping now of some of our flare flare players, if you will. There's, there's going to be so much conversation about um, why am I uh, the Purvis and Matoma that that left side combination. But when uh, when you you kind of get the mixture there as well within CISO cutting inside, you've got this group of players that are basically capable of doing anything. And that more of that understanding builds, and the more you throw Jao Pedro in there when Welbeck invariably goes down, you just got this like they're just capable of doing anything, some of the one-touch stuff. But Matoma's just, Matoma's unbelievable. I, I just hope we can hang on to him for another couple of years. Get that contract in. It's not signed yet, is it? Well, yeah, that's the rumour, right? The the rumour is that is very close to signing a new deal. Um, sounds like Deservey, well, Deservey outright said in like a thing to some child, like six months ago that he was, they were working. <laughs> he did, some little kid interviewer. He's like, yeah, <laughs> oh, we're going to renew him, don't worry. Yeah, absolute madness. Um, let's, Go off piece a little bit. It's funny. I was telling you guys not to go off piece last night, but now we're gonna fucking go off piece. Yeah, now let's this talk is about. It. Let's talk about Deserby's absolute anarchistic run of just running this team. Like, and Robin, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. How do you think Tony Bloom feels when he's talking to one of the biggest Italian media sources and saying outright, "Yeah, we were following Fred. Uh, shame he's time for Turkey. We were looking at him." You're on mute. He's you're muted on the actual thing itself. The uh, he's absolutely he's speechless. He's, he's he having is. a me can't do it. It's you, I, I was going to say right said Fred, but wrong said Fred. Yeah, uh, yeah. Craig got, will bounce to you. Yeah, Craig's up. I mean, he's, he's just he's he's rogue, isn't he? And I think you you'd, you'd have like some of those reservations, but you know that that's the guy that you're signing, right? And you know full well that that's the manager that's in charge, and that's the person that's going to do it. Um, <laughs> it's it's wild that you have all of these transfers on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And then Fred is the one that comes up that no one, no one knew about, but the manager's just going to outright say that we completely, we, we missed it or we faffed it or we wanted him and he didn't come. Um, 
that's just that's just the man that you've signed, isn't it? And I think they'll be fully accepting of the fact that the Zerbi's going to do these hour-long conversations with Italian media and um, sort of, I guess, draw the curtain a little bit on on what he's thinking. He's never gonna he's never gonna shy away from that, is he? So, I think they would have been hesitant, but they would have known that that's the person that he is. Um, it's just it's just really fun, isn't it? So, uh, just such a contrast to what we've had in the previous seasons. Uh, just to have someone that speaks his mind. Over to you, Robin. Sorry about that. And yeah, uh, in the no, chat, right. Stephen's, Stephen's right. I should be. There's a VAR. There's a VAR decision in there. Somewhere. It's like guiding my mum through the IT stuff. Like, no, click mum, click there. So she's got a hand covering the camera. You know. <laughs> yeah, that I I, feel, I don't know how old your mum is, but I feel quite old most of the time. So it's all right. <laughs> she's old. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I agree with Craig. I mean, he's. Um, I think it's. They would have been fully aware of what they were, of who they were signing up to a contract um, when he joined. And I think actually they'll be, they'll be quite interested because it's kind of, it's a way for the club to quite subtly show that they're in for big players, but without actually saying it in the media. Because kind of, the, the, the Zerbi can kind of do it in a, what is essentially, a, you know, an individual interview. He's not really talking for the club. He's talking for himself. So it's quite an interesting way for him to drop in these names and show, you know, show people that we're in for, you know, high profile players. Fred would have been yeah. fun, by the way. But Deserbi's you also take Deserbi here, don't you? Because we, you know this the whole way through. This, this is the guy you get. The, the passion is there. The heart's on the sleeve. And you, you sort of you sort of want it. He's going to get his hand slapped every now and then. That's why he spent a few games in the stands last year. But is there a club not named Man City and potentially what Arsenal and Spurs right now, questionably that wouldn't take to Zerbi in a heartbeat. Like 10 hogs a fraud. Uh, I, the Liverpool fans are not loving Klopp anymore. Everyone would take yeah, Deserbi. Like, I don't care what Deserbi says or does or what he comes up with. Just keep him playing football like this. You say what you want, mate. I don't, couldn't care less. Uh, for those of you, whichever one of you three wants to do the stat work, uh, Max in the chat, uh, our fantasy Premier League champion, by the way, Max, if you're listening, I've DM'd you on Twitter to talk about your prize. I feel like about 85 times now. Can you please respond so we can give you your prize for winning the fantasy Premier League last year? Um, it's not good optics when you haven't. It makes me feel like a right prick. Uh, so please <laughs> message us. Um, yeah. Okay, we're way off now. Um, but yeah, James in the chat saying Deserbi has a very Italian style. Uh, and I think the general like sentiment is just everybody loves him a little bit, don't we? We don't want it any other way. Uh, even if Barber sometimes is pulling his hair out, uh, it's really good for us as fans to have that eyeball in there. Um, rest of the first half, as you say, was really kind of very evenly matched. Um, I mean... To put it into perspective, the game ended with the Albion on 2.2 XG and Wolves on 2. And the majority of theirs came in that first half. Uh, they were There was a couple of really good opportunities for them. Uh, and Jason Steele uh, has not done a bad job of uh, keeping himself as that number one spot as he had him. Because that save was actually very good. Uh, I thought he was a mile offside. Um, but he was actually played on by S. Opinion, tracking the runner. Um did you shit your pants a little bit? Because I think everyone in that win when he broke free was scared. But it was a good save, wasn't it? Uh, 
he did a couple of really good things. He also, I know we ended up con- when we conceded, but I think he pulled off a pretty incredible save from a header from that that corner as well. Uh, he's been amazing. He continues to be. I do want to go back very quickly to answer Max's question. So I think this is from, I'm stealing up to Joe here, but yeah, we ended the day top of the English top flight for the first time in our history and became the 53rd different team to finish a day at the top of the table. So it's, um, you know, pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just steal. Uh, yeah, I just steal. Oh, speaking of, back to steal. Uh, yeah, he's been he's been very, very good. I don't... I do think Deserbi will be honest with what he said, though. I think he'll spell Verbruggen in for cup games and things like that. You've got to bet that guy in. Um, but I tell you what, I don't. It doesn't feel like we've got a a and a B keeper right now. It feels one A, one B. I don't. I'm completely comfortable and still looks incredible based on what I also continue to see from our old mate Bobby Sanchez. <laughs> Good riddance. Like, I'll take I'll take the medieval peasant haircut steal over you any day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's best. It, 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 yeah, it's, that's his hairstyle. Yeah, I think I said it before. It's, it continues to amaze me that that's what a professional footballer went with. Uh, AS Crit is what I'm going to say, uh, call you, or Ascrit, whatever. Uh, hi from Atlanta. Love the pod. Nice to put faces to names. Ascrit, I hope you were in Atlanta in Met Creek. I hope you're just like. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would have been good. Um, but Craig, coming back to you, uh, I think Tyler in the chat as well noted about it, how happy he was for Esther Pinion to get his goal. Uh, and it came about 45 seconds into that second half. Um, we came out like lightning in a bottle. Um, and we will talk about probably at length that next kind of that 10 minute mauling. Um, but first of all, what a great goal by Esther Pinion. Right place, right time. Not often for in any football team, you'll see a left back. Uh, square in the middle of the box like that. Um, but just to go back again to talk about him, what a touch from Mitoma. What thinking to put it into his path as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot going on with sort of the Wolves Twitter at the moment. You, there's a, a video going around of us just running out of the, <laughs> the dugout for the second half whilst the, the Wolves team are meandering and like the, I guess, the ethos around it or whatever people like to look into. Um, but it came out like a team on fire, right? Like within 45 seconds, just able to to open them up from, well, from a, a nice pass from, I think it was Solly March, right, to, to Welbeck. And yeah, the, the vision to, to sort of cut it back to Estepinion from Matoma. You haven't got a better pairing on the left side, have you, at the moment? Um, I don't think you'd really swap them for anyone. Um, again, that, that inherent fear of, Losing Estepinion to an injury just frightens the holy hell out of me, but um, deserves it. And it just the the guy's bionic; he's up and down the left <laughs> all all, to, all the time. And I'm glad he's got his goal early on this season, as opposed to sort of the last game of the season last year. So, uh, just great vision from Matoma. He's he's on fire. Estepinion's on fire. Um, just yeah, on the whole, just really good. This is a uh, this is a visual medium for now, but for everybody listening to our and onwards, it's strictly a uh, an audio one. So for those the benefit of those people not watching, uh, Adam has just been absolutely crying laughing in the corner here, uh, and I can tell you why. But I'm going to let him do it for you. So Adam, what are you what are you laughing at right now? Caicedo <laughs> came on in the second half. Uh, he's given away a penalty. Uh, right at the end of the game with West Ham and West Ham beating them 3-1. I think they ne- nearly gave away a, a goal as well. Like he, they passed it to four hours and he nearly scored. He was in. 
He's, uh, he's not having the best start. You really do hate to see it. Do, the, the lesson for everyone, do not leave Brighton and Hove Albert. You will turn, it's like a spell is cast and you get you get cursed on the way out by Tony Bloom when you leave the club and you're just cursed. <laughs> you're going to be shit. Um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, seeing Chelsea just continue to be bad is just, it tastes just so delicious. Yeah, it really does. Uh, decidedly average, which is fun, and they're not used to that. Um, Robin, what followed uh, was possibly the most demoralising next kind of 10 minutes they could possibly have. They're already sad that within 45 <laughs> seconds they've conceded. Um, and your man that you were just talking about earlier about as a possible man of the match, Julio uh, and CISO, Gets a lot of gets a lot of shit from Deserby sometimes, doesn't he? For his uh, just lots of different things, his work rate, his lack of defensive discipline, all that stuff. But when you start Julio and Cizo, we've come to realise that the boy is capable of something that just is out of this world. Um, and first of all, what about that first pass? Uh, and just how good was he all day, really? Excellent. I mean, you could, you're could. you right about when he starts a game. He was the one who was kind of in the face of Wolves from the beginning, pressing when we didn't have the ball. For that for that first assist, he did well to keep the ball in. I don't, it was probably on the opposite side from where you were, Josh. Um, but it looked like he had, to, he had to really put the afterburners on to keep that ball in play. Um, and obviously got towards the edge of the box. And I, I, didn't, I didn't foresee... A ball, like an outside of the pass, an outside of the boot pass straight into the path of Solly March. To be honest, I thought when he got to that point, given what we've seen from him before, he was going to have a shot because that's just the you know that's just the kind of guy he is from what we've seen so far. So I don't know whether that is an example of Deserby's coaching to say, look, you don't all, look, you've got a, you've got an absolute thunderbolt on you. We're not denying that. But maybe it's his decision making to say that shouldn't always be your default option, um, because yeah, I, I foresee I foresaw a shot, but I mean, perfect, perfect pass, um, just great. And and that's the reason why the Zerbi is so hot on him, right? And sort of I guess gives him a tough time is because of that decision making. So if he's managed to improve that on the preseason, we've got a. <laughs> a very dangerous player who's who's going to play in that 10 role um, and if he's battling out with Jao Pedro on it it's going to make them both better as well there's some fairly frequent utterings during the last couple of months about Man City being interested in, in Julio and CISO um, are they potentially completely made up? Yes uh, but does is there maybe some truth that this is a very very young guy who looks like he can be moulded very well and has the ceiling on his ability just seems incredible. And I do like how Deserby gives him a lot of hassle because I think Deserby is probably absolutely in love with the kid. And um, Deserby's sort of previous playing career and the players that he likes and the style of play, I think Enciso is probably who Deserby would have wanted to be in terms of like athletically gifted and skillful as a player. I, I just think we'll see more and more and more of Enciso. And uh, yeah, that... The Gilmore pass to even start the move was just unbelievable as well, by the way. Just, he was just gone. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all incredible. Every single thing about that particular goal was fantastic. Yeah, 
Absolutely nuts. Uh, and let's let's give credit where it's due as well, uh, because four minutes later, Solly was there again in the right place at the right time. And CISO again did not take a shot when he maybe could have wanted to uh, and popped it into the back of the net again with an unbelievably nice finish as well from Solly the second time around. Um, this is a kid that was on fire at the end of last season before he got hurt, was performing really well. We'd all had our doubts about Solly. He's played in about every position on the wing known to mankind. Left back, right back, right wing back, left wing back, left winger, right winger, central attacking midfielder at one point under Potter, I think he had a go at. Um, and he's now scored, I think it's 10 goals in 23 games under Deserby or 29 games under Deserby, uh, where he'd scored four in his whole career, I think, before that in the Prem. Um his ability to get in the box and make the right runs is what he's basically said has changed in his game. How long have we been missing a trick here? Not playing this lad as far forward as we have been, Craig? Like, I'm feeling like I can't help but wonder at 27 if we could have had this at 23. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's what I think I saw 15 goals or assists in 20 games. So, like, the contribution is just otherworldly at the moment from that from that guy and I think a lot of I guess the post presser I think it was after the game just said he confidence like he always gets asked and he's such a timid guy as well as I feel bad for him because everyone's like how come you're so good now and it's like well how could how do I answer that so it's just very much yeah I think he just says confidence and goes right yeah let's move on please but just the, the finishes for both of the goals are insane I think just the the ability for the fourth one to roll it across his body and a very similar finish to Palace last season where he's just sort of hit the roof of the net. Uh, right place, right time, making the right runs, has the confidence to make those runs because he knows he's able to do it. And just unleashing someone like this and, yeah, Southgate was watching. So I, I think there's there's only so much you can sort of deny this this guy with, what, 15 goals and or assists in 20 games. It's surely a matter of time and three goals in two let's let's see how many he gets this year but just he's such a good player isn't he i will eat my own collarbone if southgate <laughs> calls Sonny march up there's no way that southgate's oh, just that's such an, an, that's an episode that is an episode i think green king might do a double sponsor of that. <laughs> i don't even know how you do it like how well like, that's the yeah, beauty yeah. of it yeah that's, Surely, probably, like, that's that, how i feel about southgate though i see i don't know how he'll call a brighton player up he seems incapable. Jason Steele for England, then, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, um, yeah honestly, you, Pick, Pickford doesn't look that hot at the moment. You watched that Villa-Everton game earlier. None of them. Yeah, not did. great. Um, in those 10 minutes of football, uh, Wolves actually had quite a fair bit more possession than we did. Um, we had a total of three shots, three on target, three goals, three tackles, and three successful dispossessions. Uh, is this the most lethal uh, team? Into we've talked about the XG champions memes and all this stuff, right? Like all the time. But Robin, do you think this is the most efficient attacking team we've ever seen from Brighton, or do you think that? Can you think of a, another time? Because even even under the Poyet days when we were like destroying teams in League One, under the Hutton promotion era, I, like I just can't think of any other Brighton team that was so deadly, either counter attacking. Or building up. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's the answer. I think it's pretty undeniable at this point. 
it's and it's also again it's become it's become not that surprising when we do it i mean i think back to that everton away last season wasn't it in a very quick suddenly you know it was kind of one nil and then not that long afterwards it's suddenly four nil it's that kind of thing where we know we've we've got a burst of goals in us and it you know it's it it's still bizarre to get used to the fact that we are a team in the Premier League that other that defenses will genuinely be a, be a, be afraid of, and both of those are away from home. That's not like we're doing it at home. We're going away to Molyneux, which is a ground where you know the atmosphere there. If Wolves are playing all right, it can be a pretty hostile place to go. Similar Goodison Park. So we've gone away to these big traditional English grounds, and ripped their team to bits so it's yeah i mean i can't thinking back um you know even if sort of pound for pound comparisons i can't think of any any albion team that gets close i mean probably the closest you're going to get is that is the you know the the championship promotion season it's probably about as close you're going to get in terms of you know knockout murray Hemed, really but it was, there weren't many games beyond the Norwich game in that season where we really were just blitzing teams in the same way that we seem to at the moment. And it's not, this isn't just like a, oh, you've played Luton and Wolves. Well, yeah, but we were doing this to the other teams a few months ago too. This isn't just like we started out with a couple of easy games to begin the season with. I mean, we, we did, but it's it would be very easy to screw up um, and we've not and you just hope next week against the side that's just beaten Chelsea 3-1 because we're playing West Ham but West Ham have always been the side we apart from one time right back in championship where they mauled us uh, we've absolutely cleaned up with West Ham yeah I mean I think we really do need to acknowledge as well that Wolves went live and like they went through like a 12 round like slobber knocker with Manchester United on Monday like that was a like they were very good I know that it's probably now pointing to the fact that Man United are very shit but like this is the team that everyone took to go down and they went like toe to toe with United and we made them in those 10 minutes especially look decidedly amateur like with how badly we ripped them apart um i just thought it was really impressive uh less impressive adam i'm gonna stick with you uh because we both spoke about a little bit um less impressive set piece defending uh ultimately it was all for naught huang scored the goal uh it ended 4-1 um but the set-piece defending is something we touched on in our Deserbi deep dive as something that Sassuolo and Shakhtar suffered with under Deserbi. This is not a new phenomenon for Deserbi football insides. Uh, their set-pieces uh, on the defensive side have been suspect since he began coaching, I guess. Um, what are your how, how concerned are you about this going forward for the rest of the season? Uh, because as you say, Luton and, and Wolves are one thing. Um, but these teams that are a lot better than them at set pieces, Brentford, for example, how concerned are you when you're when you're running into those? Uh, fairly heavily. But the, 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 this is the bit you have to... If we didn't have a weakness, uh, we would just walk the league. And where's the fun in that? No one likes Man City because they just walk <laughs> the league now. 
we need to have some weakness. But I, what I do find it weird, in all seriousness, though, is is we we were playing. You know, Webster's a bit. And by the way, I thought it's, I feel much better with Webster at full fitness in this team than, than Van Hecker. I'm, I'm not not saying anything particularly novel there, but it's it's nicer to see. But it's weird. It's not like we've got a bunch of short rounds in this team. These are big guys that just can't seem to get their sort of um, marking down on, on corners. And it was messy. It was messy because there was two, wasn't there? There was a, or a ball that was delivered in messy defending there. Then we just, then we conceded. I think where it becomes much more worrying is they, they did have 16 attempts wolves uh, and they've not been able to finish anything since Raul Jimenez, like pre headband concussion issue. So it's been a long time and you were right. Someone else comes along, they do get that goal in the first half. And you go in at halftime 1-1. And even if you come out raging like we did and they steal a goal back, you 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 get into the end of this game and it's like 3-2, uh, even 4-2. And you're ne- you are nervous away from home. So, yeah, it could potentially be a problem. But um, this this is deserving. You, 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 you're gung-ho. Um, and we saw what happens on situations where the counters created, because that's what happened with, with the uh, third goal, right? Or the, whoever scored the, it was the, the March, the one we talked about the the NC. So outside of the foot that came from just the ball came out, Gilmore ball over NC. So sprint cut in cross. Uh, that's what you get on the other side of it. Crappy defending, great counter attacking. Yeah. It's a scary payoff though, isn't it? Um, the next half an hour was some of the most turgid football I've seen in a while, uh, where Wolves had absolutely given up. Um, and the only people on the Brighton team that weren't cruising in first gear was probably Evan and Jao Pedro, who both really wanted goals. Um, so with the exception of those two, everyone else was kind of just like, oh, not really that bothered, boys. Um, sorry, we've already scored four. Uh, Deserby, not happy about that in the post-match presser that we really came off taking our foot off the gas. He was not a happy boy. Um, but let's talk about Wolves a little bit before we kind of wrap up and move on to, to other stuff. Um, two, well, I suppose I suppose it is two of them, yeah. Um, two Mateuses, uh Nunez and Cunha. First of all, do you think that, because I do, I think that the season rests on Cunha being their talisman. We talked about ours. Um, after watching him yesterday, he, when we were under Hutton and there was times where we were saying that Bissouma looks a cut above every player in this Brighton team because everyone else just can't play to the standard of him uh, when we were really struggling. It felt like watching that yesterday with Cunha. I thought he was just absolutely phenomenal. And I think if he gets hurt or gets in a rough patch or they don't finish the chance, the 27 chances he creates, I think they are... Well, we've already talked about it. They're in deep, deep, deep trouble, don't you think, Craig? Like, I thought Cunha was excellent yesterday. I, yeah, he's stunning, isn't he? Uh, I think he's just so quick in sort of beating that press and just sprinting forwards. And I think their, their counter-attacking is going to be very good purely because of him, right? Otherwise, you're talking about a bunch of individuals playing in a team. And I think that's what it feels like. I feel Wolves have the talent there, but they're just not playing as sort of a collective unit. They all just seem on different wavelengths at the moment. And and that could be due to the signing so that the signings that they cannot make or, you know, some FFP concerns from their side as to, you know, it's falling detriment to that. Um and I'm sure that's incredibly frustrating with the Chelsea's of the world as well. Um but 
yeah, it just it feels like a very disjointed team at the moment. New captain, lost a lot of players. Um, if Cunha can get them running and, and can get them a few bits, I, I think he does look really good. Um, it's just, as Adam said, it, it's that goal scorer. Uh, and I think Fabio Silva isn't the guy. Um, I think he he might be in a few years. You remember he's still young as well, um, but he's just not the guy. Um, we we talked about their XG at two point one. They made chances, right? They just need someone to score them, um, or for for them to be. I can't believe I'm saying this as clinical as we are. Um, yeah, where have we seen so, that line before? So, yeah, wild. make a load of chances, yeah. not scoring. Huh. So it's yeah, it's it's a it's a dodgy one. Um, but but yeah, I think. If they can get a goal scorer, and then great. But Cunha is going to be the driving force for for all of their games. And personally, I, I had them for the drop like two weeks ago. They're still better than I thought they would be. And um, they, but they just they just need to play as a team more. Let's talk about the other Mateus. Robin. Have you seen a more boneheaded second yellow card to get to get yourself sent off? Because I'm, no, I'm genuinely I mean, like since the League One days, I don't think I've seen something so stupid. And his first yellow card was pre- was for preventing a free kick being taken quickly wasn't it as well yeah it was a, one of the Something classic like one of the time wasting ones we've seen yeah so you can argue i mean that's two absolutely needless yellow cards i mean any game where you get sent off at the end of a game that you've lost comfortably is always needless like you could you could sort of excuse it let's say it's let's say we're winning 2-1 and you're drifting into stoppage time they need a goal estepinians sort of you know if we're time wasting, you can sort of accuse the aggression at that. You could sort of defend the aggression at that point because he's going, look, he's trying to hurry the game up. But when you're 4-1 down and the game is, as you said, Josh, for half an hour has been drifting towards a pretty uh, predetermined conclusion, to lose your head then is just, yeah, it's it's, in, it's inexcusable, really. It was funny, though. I do want to just very quickly go back to the goal because I'm watching the replays on it, the Wolf goal. I mean, um, and uh, there was, it looked like we were doing zonal corner marking. And remember, Huang was a substitute. So I don't know whether there was any like pre-subs or more like this is your guy for the corner. And there was a bit of miscommunication of who's picking up Huang. But it looked like he was standing basically in the middle of Lewis Duncan and, and Julio and CISO. And CISO was, you know, doing what number 10s or 11s do. I can't remember what he's 11, right? Uh, 10. At 10. What ten number 10s do? Billy Gilmore. Billy Gilmore. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Our bleached blonde 10 and 11. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and Dunk was sort of marking no one then tried to backtrack and just couldn't reach Huang but it was a really weak header it's just positioned awkwardly but that'll be one I think they will be annoyed about when they watch that back just uh, it's fairly inexcusable defending for it um so hopefully that does get improved can I just talk very quickly about James Milner because you mentioned Talisman yeah, I was actually gonna bring him up so you <sighs> Literally, shit, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I thought he was. Yeah, and and I think I, I can I take back my talisman two games in. Can I trade it? Uh, <laughs> I'll trade my talisman for someone. No, I, mean, I think what he does a really good job of James Milner is when he comes off as a sub, he claps and does like he rallies everyone. That's his strong <laughs> suit. That's I'd say he's a ten out of ten for that. Playing as a right back, not so good. I. Uh, uh, it goes back to what we talked about, right? And I still, I'm not. Veltman didn't look too hot as well. There was a there was a moment where the ball came to him, and we were like in a position where we could build up a nice pass and play. Just like 
let the ball roll out. Um, you, you know, with Lamptey, someone brought Lamptey up in the chat. I think Tyler did. Um, I still don't know if we ever see Lamptey play for this club again. Uh, I, he may well be shipped out before the end of the transfer window. Lots of rumours in January, um, especially with the injuries. I would love to see him play, but I just uh, I don't I don't know if you can say he's your long term solution, right? I, I really don't. And we know Veltman isn't your long term solution. He's a great backup. Uh, I think at this point. Um, I don't want to see Milner play right back for us for the rest of this season. I don't think he has the legs to do it either. Maybe that's harsh on him because he is fit. He's just old. Well, I mean, he even struggled against Luton, didn't he, with the pace on the wing. And it's something we've seen Gross struggle with, who's a superb player, but he's not a right back. They're just not right backs. Um, Craig, question to aim at you here because there's there's two, two verdicts in the chat. Tyler in the chat noted that do you think a first choice right back or a like kind of backup to West opinion is a bigger need? Um, he personally would love to see a left back before the window closes. We're obviously after one uh, with the with the Boca Juniors kid um, trying to fill out ginger Argentinian quota. Um, but James in, in the chat said that he would much prefer a starting right back. Um, obviously, in an ideal world, a player who could do both. Um, but what would you prefer to if you could only have one before the end of the window, would you prefer to have full back depth or a purposeless opinion at right back in terms of you're happy with him starting every single game if and when fit? Yeah, I mean, if you're signing a left back, they're coming in not as first choice, right? He's like one of, if not the best left back in the league right now. So it's just impossible. Someone like Barker, when when he does come in, it's the only issue with that is he wants to stay until the new year. So you're sort of betting on Purvis staying fully fit for that. I wouldn't put it past him. He played most games last year. So, you know, that that's not a, a real distinct concern for me. Um, I do think we need more at right back. Uh, I think I, I agree with the general consensus that I don't think Milner was that great yesterday. Um, you sort of get pulled off at 57, 58 minutes as well is is never good, <laughs> right? So uh, you are you are using two right backs pretty consistently for every game, and that's one of your subs. Um, so I, I would prefer to see a right back come in that is going to be the, the sort of the out and out. Um, you can use Veltman for that centre back depth. I'm happy with that. Um, so... The answer, yeah, I, I would love to see a new right-back come in. Um, I think those are the two areas where I think a, a, a defensive midfielder and a right-back before the window shuts, and, and I'm a happy man. I just, I just realised we've got, what, 12 days until it closes? So that's the wild. Yeah, there's going to be a very busy next two weeks, isn't it, Robin? Like, we've been talking about different team, different places we want backing up. We're then randomly looking at players like Kudus that aren't on our list of positions we want backing up. Like, do you think how many? How many would you guess that we're gonna bring in? Put pin it to the mast, like uh, Adams Milner talisman. It may end up looking poor, but I'm gonna say three in, and I'm gonna say possibly three out. If I had to guess, Lampy, Bonanot, and Alzato. Oh yeah, there's rumours with him, is it? What, what what happens to Yasin Ayari though? Is he staying? I think. Well, no, I think he'll. That's why I think. I don't think. I don't think Lamptey will go. Um, partly because I don't think any club at the moment will take the gamble with his fitness. He's clearly not. He's clearly not fit and hasn't been for a while. So yeah, I think Ayari probably goes. Alzate probably goes. Buonanotte probably goes. Three coming in. Similar to Craig. I mean, a right back. 
I'd be, I say, I've said this in every episode, I'd be staggered if we get to the end of the window and we haven't signed a right back. I'll be staggered. Similarly, if we get to the end of the window and we've not signed a central midfielder, I'll be staggered. And then I think the player, I think what Deserby was referring to as the sort of, you know, the mystery bonus signing is potentially we will see a, another versatile attacker come in. But I think that will be the, that will sort of be the nice to, the nice to have if we can get it done. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Stephen in the chat. Uh, was Milner brought in as a potential assistant coach to Lalana to progress the Deserby coaching philosophy? Um, I don't know if that was tongue in cheek, but I think there is definitely a uh, very calculated approach that this club is taking with bringing on players like Milner and Lalana that have seen it all. They're English as well, remember. I think there's a there's a decision being made there as well for the homegrown stuff and all that sort of stuff. But I think that I think there is part of that in their head, right? Like we've got really lucky that Andrew Crofts is actually just a baller of a coach and they're really happy with him. They're bringing in people that are essentially future-proofing our evolution as a club. And I think that they do have every intention of having Lalana and Milner on the coaching staff at some point in the future. I absolutely believe they do. And whether Lalana will be a manager at some point in the future, it almost feels inevitable he might be. And I have nothing to say, no backup source on that whatsoever, other than the fact that I watched him during the COVID era and that man was a manager on the pitch. Like we could hear him every single week. Uh, basically coaching the team through play after play after play uh, because there was no fans. It was so quiet. Um, it feels like he is naturally going to become more of a manager than a coach at some point in the future. And I wouldn't be surprised if the idea was long-term uh, that he may well be that for Brighton if and when the, the, the reason. That'd be the assistance for, for Calderon, basically, right? He's back at the club. <laughs> The dream, the best Spanish right back. Lalana's, uh, you know, very, very used. To, I think he's he'll find a comfortable place on the bench, considering he spends quite a lot of his time there with his leg in a cast. But he's with my, my anecdotal evidence of of one uh, at that at that US training session is there was no other player that was talking, chit chatting, discussing stuff with the coaching staff more than Adam Lalana. Um, he was all about it. Um, and yeah, I think it's probably one of the worst kept secrets in, in the club that he's going to become a coach. Let's talk man of the match. Uh, we have got a feast of choices here. Um, as always, there's never really a wrong answer. Um, Milner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in this case, you've got a lot of options uh, and there's probably about five names you could bring up that, maybe even six where I don't think any of us would bat an eyelid. So let's start with you, Craig. Uh, who have you got as your man of the match yesterday? I'd probably end up stealing Robbins here because he sort of alluded to it earlier. Um, I I think it's Billy Gilmore for me. I think it's, I, I just thought he was so good just with, with what he was doing and being able to marshal what we were doing and how we were doing it. The the hockey assist for the third goal as well is is incredible, you know, and I just thought he did 
exactly what we needed him to do and he did it really well um one misplaced pass in 90 minutes is you're talking silly um at, at that point um and just did everything that he was asked to and a little bit more with with the assists and just clearing up so that's that's the that's the Billy Gilmore that everyone was raving about uh, at Chelsea right and and that's what that's what we want um if he continues to do that um Dahoud's not going to play really and and I think that's that's sort of how good that performance was yesterday Entirely fair. Robin? Um, in CISO. Purely because, you know, that 10-minute mauling, as you've given the title of this episode, that ultimately, that 10-minute window proved to be the decisive window in the match. And he was instrumental in that. Nothing further to add. Adam? Clean. Yeah, I, it's, well, it's funny because... Solu Marge is playing lights out, scored two goals with incredible positioning. You've also got Purvis, who a couple of little defensive lapses, especially with that where he was caught out for, for that questionable, well, it wasn't offside, it was onside, right? He was furthest back. Um, but he was fantastic, got his goal. Matoma was outstanding. Um, not only for the, I mean, he changed the face of the game and then put that a, a fantastic sort of back heel in or whatever, cut it back for the second or third goal. Um, but I am, um, I know Michael Jackson says this is so bad. I know Michael Jackson said, <laughs> Billy Jean is not my lover, but I think Billy G is my lover. I, I'm in love with him as a player. He's fantastic. <laughs> I was up until four thinking of that. Uh, he's incredible. Uh, and I'll throw some stats in just to make it less bad. So 74 passes, 97.3% pass accuracy, Four of those were long balls and three were accurate. So his one, if Greg's right on that, his one inaccurate pass was a long ball. Everything else outside of that was perfect. He was also our joint top leader in tackles on the team as well. Uh, just stunning, stunning day for So it's, it's, it's Billy G for me. Entirely fair. Um, and I'm going to give it to Solly, actually, uh, because I thought, likewise, I thought he was unbelievable. And yesterday for me, showed me why Deserby loved him before he even rocked up. And I'll, show, I'll share stats to show that example too. He was joint on tackles, Billy Gilmore, with Solly March. No one had more interceptions than Solly March. He had four. No one else was even close to that. He was second to clearances behind Adam Webster and scored two goals off the back of it, right? Like, he was everywhere. Um, he was just unreal he was wherever you wanted him to be all the time such a hard worker that like, puts everything into it he had a pretty rough first half because we were so adamant at just destroying Samedo's morale and going down that left side that him and Milner really didn't have much to do on that right side other than Milner getting turned inside out every 10 seconds but Solly was really the odd man out he didn't get a lot of the ball in that first half he was kind of just there to offer a different option and he comes back out in that second half, does everything he did, and just plugged away defensively for 90 minutes as well. Like You can see why Deserby loves him. The comments he makes about Enciso, about Gilmore, about Mitoma, like, and the things he wants to see, these Pedro, like the, the players up there that he wants to see, the changes they make, all of it is more responsibility at the back. right? Every single one of them, he wants them to be more responsible and better cohesiveness and more like you know, that, that initiative to get back and do their job. This is why Deserby loves him so much for me. 
is because he's already got it in spades and all that Deserbi has done seems to have been like taught him how to attack efficiently <laughs> because prior to that, it seems that like that was his big problem right now. He seems to be the full package. Uh, and I can't believe that we're looking at a lad that's like 27, 28 at Brighton and was one of the players. 29. That about, 29. 29. And we talked about it uh, two years ago, Robin, when you were on the show a couple of times. Yeah. Of like, is he one of those like nearly was or possible has beens? Mm. We talked about it for the last two years as to was he one of those like what could have beens? And it seems that like he's now at 29, just decided like actually now, thanks to Roberto, who's just rounded me out, he's just become this like complete player. The interesting thing is, which I'll th- a question I'll throw back to you, Josh, which is something we've discussed is we have said that the great thing that's happened to him is that Deserve has given him the confidence of playing in a single position. So he's, you know, we've talked about he's played all over the place and that arguably didn't help his level of consistency. Deserve has gone, nope, you're going to be an attacker. Focus on that. And, you know, the confidence, the goals, the assists have has flowed. But actually, playing devil's advocate, could you argue the fact that he has played so much football in more defensive roles? has actually benefited Deserbi here because he doesn't need to get that hard-working element into his game because he's practised that a lot. So he's got that. He knows, like you say, the fullback is actually, he'll do that. He will track back. He will work hard on defence. So actually, it's a bit of a funny one, isn't it? Because he's got the consistency from actually playing in a single position for a long time. But actually, he's also benefited from the fact that he's played a lot of football in general in a whole bunch of positions. He's basically the Potter Deserby wonder kid, isn't he? Yeah, like, no, he, he is. is. So that is like basically the it. baby where he was basically shoehorned in to be a left wing back and was close to being one of our best players in that position for like 18 months when he wasn't injured because he had a few problems, didn't he? And now, like you say, like he's had such a long time playing there. And now he's like, he, Deserby is like, well, you've already got that part. That's what I love about you. That's why I name dropped you in my first interview. Now I'm going to turn you into a different beast at the end, of, at the end of the pitch. And now, like you say, like we're we're seeing the the benefits. I would have name dropped him in my first interview as head coach as well. I would have sold him. So that's why. <laughs> don't don't listen to us. Uh, but it is astounding, though, when we think about the players that we just said as our ma- as our men of the match. A 19 year old. He's played half a season, well, barely, he didn't start most of those games in NCSO. A 22-year-old who Norwich fans wrote off and a 29-year-old journeyman, quotation marks, that we wrote off <laughs> and everyone else for the most part wrote off. Like, build the Deserby statue. Like, this doesn't happen without him. It doesn't happen. No. I think yeah. the other point is, you know, everyone, the point everyone's made is, oh, you've sold, you know, fans were like, you've sold McAllister, you've sold Caicedo, you know, basically, good luck, you know, your run, <laughs> your run at the top is kind of over. And it's a stat I said yesterday in the group, like the last three games that we've played where neither of those two have played, been involved in, we've scored 14 goals. It just happens that 10 of them have come against Wolves as well. But leave that bit out. But, Cause um, and causation, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just show, it's amazing that you can lose £150 million worth of midfield talent and you can seamlessly just keep going on. And it actually, you could make an argument for with Gil, you know, you could make an argument, say we're actually better in certain scenarios without them, which is 
I mean, that's that's testament to the Zerbi, right? I mean, I hope someone is beginning to mould the statue right now because it takes an awful lot to create a system where a team of our level, you know, we've still got like the second or third smallest budget in the division. So to create any system or any squad where we can legitimately finish sixth and actually feel slightly hard done by that we didn't finish fourth, you can then take out £150 million worth of genuine world-class central midfield talent, bring in some other players, and then win the first two games of the following season 4-1. I mean, that's just like, it's witchcraft. Shouldn't be allowed. The statue is being made. Unfortunately, it's the guy that did that Cristiano Ronaldo statue. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to look anything like the Zerbi. It looks like Grand um, Yeah, God. Let's talk about uh, next weekend's fixture. Um I am very interested to see how that goes for anybody who's trying to get there next weekend. Would love to hear your feedback of how that went with the train strikes in full effect. I should be going, actually. Robin, man on the ground, good man. Uh, I'm leaving. I'm planning on leaving tomorrow to get there. (laughs) Yeah, I would, um, especially from up north. Um, But let's talk about West Ham, Uh, a similar team in, in, in one respect. Well, Two respects, really. They they battered the Europa Conference League last year, um, so they're enjoying a real good spell in Europe. Um, they'll be joining us in the Europa League this year, of course, as well. Uh, but they're also a team that are well. I mean, they struggled last season with with the European schedule as well. Finished towards the bottom of the table. There were some questions around them even staying up for a long stretch of time. There was a lot of concern around them, and now they've lost a hundred million pound midfielder themselves and are sat on four points to start the season uh, with a draw away at Bournemouth who are looking pretty handy, especially now they've just signed Tyler Adams as well. Uh, and then absolutely dicking Chelsea's billion pound squad three, one uh, with 10 men for half an hour. Uh, what are you, what are you expecting to to happen this weekend at the Amex? Um, always a bit different when we're at, when we're at home under Deserby these days, especially. Um, do you think that, us being the bogey team will bring them horribly down to earth and or do you think that we are in for a bit of a rude awakening after our first two games I want to see I'm sure yeah sorry I don't know Who knows? I mean, we're playing James Ward Prowse, right? So we're going to concede a set piece, right? So that you can You did that today. You strike that off on your little bingo card. Um but otherwise, yeah, I I don't really know what they're doing or who they are at the moment. Um, I think it's it's all up for grabs. I think obviously with their bogey team, I I, I hope that we can keep that going. Um, but but otherwise, yeah, it's the set pieces and the, the counter attacking that that perpetually worries us. And and I think that's something that West Ham can be quite proficient at. So uh, as long as we do what we did last season at home and just don't give them the ball at all so that they can't do that. Um, then I think we'll be all right. Um, but I think that that has to be the onus, right? And as for the team, I mean, that's anyone's guess. You can pick names out of a hat, I think, at this point. Um, I'm not worried at all. Not, not, uh, not in any way. All you've got to do is this week, take a look at the betting lines and the odds and see where <laughs> Paqueta and his mate's money goes. Um, ideally, you can look at Green King, King's uh, sport app. Um, please gamble responsibly. And you'll know. You'll know who's going to get yellow cards, who's going to win, who's going to score, and you're fine. So I'm not worried. We'll smash them. 
It's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? Really, uh, yeah. He's gonna he's yeah. gonna be bad. Paqueta's <laughs> legit gonna be bad. It's, it's one of the most egregious, blatant gambling things that you've seen. Is it's he gonna be blatant. banned in the next seven days, though? I hope so. No. Tony's gonna be making some calls. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan or Bloom? Yes, because <laughs> because Ivan Tony's gonna be livid as well if he gets a uh, different kind of sentence. Maybe they can um, hang out together for six months. Yeah, talk about how they both got caught, how to not do it. Some weird football better prison yard that they've got going on. Sat in Lucas Paquetta's garage playing poker, <laughs> you know, something like that. Starting a band. They'll start a band. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, last thing before we go, unless anyone else has anything else to bring up as well. Um, this time next week, uh, obviously, we play West Ham 5 o'clock, 5.30 on Saturday. Uh, what do you think is going to be the outcome uh, between now and West Ham in terms of transfers? Uh, do you think we get anybody in uh, between then and now? We'll go with you, Adam. Between ne- the, the game next week? Uh, yeah, between now and West Ham, do you think we'll make any signs this week? No. Uh, and even if we did, they're not going to play. Uh but I don't think the game will happen next week either because I think hell has frozen over because I I've keep looking while we're recording here that, and I'm looking at the top scorers of the league and I see Solid March number one above Erling Ireland. So there's not even going to be a game next week. It's just it's so ridiculous <laughs> to see that. Robin, thoughts? Um, no, I think all the signings will be, last, will be the last week of the window. Craig? Yeah, I think I agree with that. If it if it is, they they obviously won't be playing anyway, right? So um, yeah, last week of the window, leave it nice and late. The last day of the window. Where's yeah. your Paquetta money going, Just? Do you say yes or no? Uh, no, I agree with you. I don't think we'll sign anyone. Um, very boring. Everyone agrees with each other. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't see it. Uh, I don't see anybody starting. I don't see any new signings starting until post international break either. Like you guys are saying. Um, I think whoever we bring in won't be playing for us at West Ham or at Newcastle. I think it'll be Manchester United at Old Trafford uh, just to make Ten Hag even more under pressure there if he isn't already. Um, People listening to this on Tuesday now are going to be laughing after we've signed like two players. And uh, <laughs> yeah. these, these idiots have no both, idea. Both transfer record broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right fellas uh, i think that's everything from us we've covered just about everything we can um so we will be back next weekend uh to talk about the west ham game um long weekend as well in the uk next weekend is it the same in the us i can't remember when the holidays are in the us anymore i'm away now so you won't hear from me thankfully for everyone so be, we'll probably get double the listeners uh i'm away but i don't think it's a long weekend here but i could be wrong no ours is the week after fourth of september can I finish on one stat that I read? Absolutely. That in the last 25 games, we've scored three or more goals in 10 of them, which is just bonkers. Not bad. Attacking-wise. So if you want to illustrate, back to your question ages ago, which is, were we surprised that we did that three-goal, you know, that 3 10-minute blitz? When you look at a stat like that, not really. And Wolves love conceding to us, so 
Cheers. Um, so we will be back next week. We'll talk about West Ham. Uh, we'll talk about the 15 transfers we successfully made. <laughs> now we've said we'll make none. Uh, and have a wonderful week, everybody. Uh, it's not a bad time to be a Brighton fan, is it? Not bad at all. Thanks, everyone. Bye.